for live stream. Don't do what I did last week, huh? When I got down there with the racketeering nickel and where the, you know, you're joshing me where that came from and we passed it around. It didn't get on, I bet. <laughs> that was the key illustration of the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Oh, well. Those of you who were here didn't. Do you remember the racketeering nickel last week? How many do? Huh? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, looking forward to celebrating Resurrection Sunday with you. I'll tell you what. That and Thanksgiving are my two favorite. Not belittling Christmas, but boy, I'm telling you, uh, there's, there's a lot to rejoice about. In fact, did you get your little message sheet outlines, everybody? I see that. God bless you. Is there another? <laughs> well, we got to start off with a quiz, otherwise you get crabby and we wouldn't want that. So, here we go. Um, well, where is it? Here it is. Okay. Remember, I said I was going to focus on this side this week because this side keeps getting the quizzes. So, but you're all eligible, okay? What has no teeth and no mouth, but does have eyes and lives in the ground? Potato! Come on, you guys. <laughs> Yeah. Were you over there last week? No? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, we, we usually see uh, our brother, now I can't think of his name. Huh? Yeah, sitting, sitting here. And I see these empty front pews. It reminds me of something I heard one time. Uh, or something I've never heard, and I've spoken in a lot of churches in 45 years, and uh, especially when I was with Frontier School of the Bible and then as a pastor. And I've never heard this said in any church. Hey, it's my turn to sit in the front pew. Now one time. Surprise me sometime. Surprise me. Okay. Why I'm thankful for the cross. These next few weeks are just wonderful uh, for the believer. Uh, if you've put your faith and trust in Christ, been born again into his family, thank you for putting this up, whoever did that. Or was that up here last week? No, okay. And uh, anyhow, uh, just wonderful. Uh, when you come to Good Friday, and it's a ways away, uh, and Palm Sunday is just two weeks away, but when you come to that and, and, uh, other time, I want you to just kind of remember a few of these that, uh, I wrote down, uh, why I'm thankful for the cross. In the meantime, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. How about the rain? Anybody beat 3.2 inches? He's got a rain gauge, does he? <laughs> so, well, I'm thankful for it. I, it's teaching me to be a little more specific 
when I pray for rain in the category of the amount, you know. <laughs> but uh, we're rejoicing in that. I drove 40 miles here and uh, didn't see. I saw very little water in the field, so it's going down, and uh, we can rejoice in that. I know it's hard on the people with uh, that are calving right now. But uh, how about it? Are you thankful today? Just no big speeches, but uh, real quick, give me something you're thankful for, anybody that wants to on this side. Amen. Over on this side. Pardon? Amen. Amen. One more chance on this side. Amen. Yeah. You know, I don't usually uh, move to tears all that easy, although I've been known to sometimes when I'm preaching, but hardly ever when I'm singing. But I got a few tears in my eyes when we sang it as well with my soul because I know the story behind that. I know the tragedy that that came out of and the millions of believers it has blessed since then. Did I give you a second chance over here? Amen. Did that just start? Oh, oh, okay. That's great. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the rain. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for the blessings that we enjoy because we know you're good and you're good all the time. Even though sometimes we don't sense it because our eyes are some other place and perhaps our feelings. But today, Lord, I, I thank you for that which has been given thanks for. May it be a, a sweet savor to you as it rises to heaven. And this morning, Lord, as uh, I share why I'm thankful for the cross from the Bible, what does the Bible say about it? Help us to remember this crucial truth, this foundational pillar of our faith that Christ was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death on that cross, and he rose the ever-living one. And how thankful we are for that, Lord, it makes all the difference in our life. So bless now, we pray your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1, and uh, this is very, very important as we think of these verses, beginning with verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Have you found that out? You share that with the world, and most of the time the world looks like you, it looks at you like you got a screw loose. And, um, but the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, it is the power, or in the Greek word, the Greek word is where we get our word dynamite. It is the dynamite of God. And now we have people and churches and denominations that are just trying to move away from anything. They got a hymn book now that they made that uh, takes all the songs out that has the blood of Jesus. Yeah, can you imagine that? And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure they've done a lot of 
a lot of translations, spurious translations, you know, so that it can fit the heresy. Listen, the preaching of the cross is central to any Bible-believing church in any person who names the name of the Lord. It's the power of God. That's, that's what it says. Let's finish here. Not, did I say finish? That was a mistake. I don't like to use that word when I'm just starting. But anyway, verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. And he's writing this in a satirical way. By the foolishness of preaching to save them that what? What's the word? Are you following along? Somebody built it out. Who believe? Thank you. The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. That's right. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Gentiles foolishness, but unto them who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, that's a main, that's the main central message. Christ the power of God. So, having read that, let's remind ourselves as we approach this time of the year, especially, and, and then whenever you have communion, I don't know when you have communion, but I always like to focus back on what Christ has done on the cross, what he's still doing today, and, and so on. Uh, but this is especially, I'm thankful for the cross, these seven reasons. Number one, because the cross of Christ has the power to save, if you're filling out your notes. And you know Romans 1.16, remember I offered you a lifesaver, if you could say that by heart here a few weeks ago. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it was the cross of Christ that had the power to save, February 11th, 1970. I was born of the flesh, October 11th, 1950. And I was born of the Spirit when I came to the cross. And all my sins and everything I ever did, the Lord at the cross, paid for it. And I received that gift of salvation by faith on February 11, 1970, Ash Wednesday of that year. I happened to go to a great big old Lutheran church that night with a friend of mine. And uh, because he had asked me to go, wasn't attending church then, I didn't know Jesus. And I was two years out of high school and I thought, okay, to keep our friendship going well, I'll go with him. And, and uh, I heard the gospel that night. They had a guest speaker there. The kid was 19 years old, and he shared his testimony. And there was probably 400 people in that church that Ash Wednesday night. And they had communion. 
And he said, you know, if you've never received Christ as your Savior to forgive your sins, if you've never asked Him into your heart and life, listen, communion is for believers. So nobody's going to say anything. Just pass it up. I was the only one in 400 and some people that didn't take communion. I know because in the Lutheran church, they get out of their you know, pew and they come up here and they and then they go and sit down and it's kind of a big this way. And uh, my partner, I'm not partner, my uh, friend, who was also my boss, we were both surveyors with the Kitson County Engineers Department, Minnesota. He asked why afterwards I didn't go up. He, I said, well, I don't, I don't remember receiving Christ into my life. And we talked in the wee hours of the morning, talked with his pastor, and uh, that night I accepted Christ. And I found out that because of the cross, the cross had the power to save me. How about you? Any amens? Number two, the cross also creates a crisis. In other words, you must choose when presented with the, the uh, pillars of the gospel, the gospel, the message of Christ asks you to choose to not choose, to postpone, to ignore, to put off the decision for Christ is to say no at that moment, which may be your last. Now, John 3.36, I love this verse. We all know John 3.16, but do you know John 3.36? I don't have a lifesaver to offer, so I will read it. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. He that believes not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The judgment. And um, there's a little verse in Hebrews. I don't hear it mentioned much these days. It's Hebrews 2, verse 3. It says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? When you think of the cross of Christ and the gospel message and the life of Jesus and all focused on the fundamentals of the gospel, it is a great salvation. How shall we escape? We won't. We won't. The cross creates a crisis. You have to choose. My dad never came to church that I saw. And uh, when I became a Christian... His words to me as I shared what happened, his words to me, just don't become a fanatic. you got to understand my dad. He was an Army sergeant, 22 years in the Army, retired from the Army. Tough fella. Well, a few years later, as I was in the ministry, I was invited to come back to my hometown and um, hold a series of meetings. And that church was packed with all my old Friends, classmates, cousins. I have more cousins than Carter has little liver pills in Minnesota. If you don't believe me, take a phone book, look up the word Olson in it. And um, so the church was packed. Dad decided to go one night, and then he went another night, and then he went the third night. And I talked to him after the last night. Till two o'clock in the morning, he had questions from Genesis to Revelation. I said, Dad, what, uh, 
Towards the end there, I said, what would prevent you from giving your life to Christ, to receiving Jesus and being saved? And he looked at me and he said, I'm not ready. Got up out of his chair and walked away. And it was 20 years, wasn't it? About about 20 years before I could talk to that man again. And I don't push anybody. I give out the word. It was him that went to church. It was him that had the questions. And, and every time I tried to bring it up in 20 years, well, the Lord changed all that. And I was able to lead my dear dad to Christ when he was 80 years old in Fargo, North Dakota at the Veterans Hospital in the intensive care unit. And he lived two years after that. First thing he asked for was a Bible. And so the cross creates a crisis. Dad chose not to. He was blessed to have that many years and then come to know the Lord. But wow, that's something that we should never fool around with our eternal destiny. Number three. Number one, because the cross of Christ has the power to save me. Number two, it creates a crisis. I had to choose. Number three, the cross reveals man's vileness. Luke 23. What do I I mean by that? Well, the best people of the day crucified Christ. Did you know that? In Luke 23, at verse 13, and Pilate when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and uh, said, let's let this man go. And the chief priests riled the crowd, the rulers, and all the best people of the day shouted in one accord, crucify him. So even the nicest, best people of the day needed to be saved They rejected Christ, and it just shows the vileness of man. And let me tell you, it's going to get worse in the last days. I'm so thankful I'm saved. Any amens to that? What, does daylight saving time got you? Should I turn the clock back to 10, quarter to, or quarter to 11, I guess it'd be. No, quarter to 8. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, number four. Not only does the cross show what mankind's situation is, number four, the cross reveals God's love for sinners. How reprobate man is, yes, but how wonderful God's love for sinners like me and you. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated his love for you. For me, while I was yet a sinner, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for me. There's a beautiful song someday, if you can find it. You know, ask Rob. He's the, he's the guy that's got every song in his hip pocket. It's called, I was in his mind. I was in his mind on Calvary's mountain. It's a beautiful song. It's got three verses. And it's all about how I was in his mind on Calvary's tree. And uh, so Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, this was predicted 800 years before Jesus went to the cross. And you've heard these verses, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. I could put the word my in there. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. With the stripes we are healed. All we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of his soul. So number four, the cross reveals God's love for sinners like me. So that's why I'm thankful for the cross, reason number four. Number five, it was at the cross that I found forgiveness. Now if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1. That's just after Genesis and just before Revelation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, 13, and 14. Paul said to these wonderful Colossian believers, and they were, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Wow. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Here it is, even the forgiveness of sins. My wife and I like to walk through cemeteries uh, when we're visiting a town. Uh, that's all right, you can think what you want. But uh, we like to look at the old gravestones. In fact, I was in Wyoming here three weeks ago, visiting with the president of Frontier School of the Bible and, and others who were there. And when I got up in the morning, I decided to drive up. It's on a hill, big hill. Uh, drive up to the cemetery and just be quiet with the Lord and walk around. And I was walking around the cemetery and looking at the little epitaphs. Now, I never saw this, but there is one in Minnesota where there's a gravestone that has one word on it. The word is forgiven. Has the name of the person. And then the one word. If I had one word, that would be it. I'm forgiven. I know I'm a sinner. But the cross made all the difference. Jesus made all the difference. What he did on that cross. I found forgiveness, praise God. Never forget Psalm 103 verse 12. It's not in your notes, but you should write it in there. Need a pen? Or you remember? Oh, you got one. Good. She not only figured out the quiz, she has a good pen back there. All right. Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. They're gone. There used to be an old song. Uh, they're, uh, they're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn, in the sea of God's forgetfulness that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Anybody ever hear that song? Besides my wife? Ah, two. And uh, listen, he's removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. He didn't say north from the south. You can go north 
then eventually you'll find the south. But you can't go east and all of a sudden it turns into you're going west, can you? You'll just keep going east and east, or if you prefer, you go west and west and west. You keep going around and around. Hey, listen, God has taken care of you. Praise God. At the cross, I found forgiveness, and I love Him for it. I thank Him for it. And this season of the, of the, we call it resurrection season, the Palm Sunday season, the triumphal entry, the Good Friday, and all that. Be thinking as you go through all of that of reasons why you're thankful for the cross. Number five is at the top of the list for me. I found forgiveness. Number six is found in Colossians 1.20. I found peace and reconciliation in the cross. Do you know what reconciliation is? It's called the adjustment of a difference. You have a holy God here. You have sinful man here. Big gap here. The only thing that can bridge that gap is the one mediator, the Bible calls, and that is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, by the cross. Bridge that gap so that a holy God and a sinful man can be reconciled. The difference has been paid for by Jesus. Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace, I wrote my thesis in college on peace. Since I didn't have any the first 20 years of my life. Anyway, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. Wow. And you who were once alienated and enemies, has he reconciled, brought together. You see, at the cross, I found peace and I found reconciliation at the cross. And then number seven, at the cross I can experience the secret of an empowered life. Here's what I want you to take away with this today. These other things, yes. But in Romans chapter six, there's a dynamic principle. I usually read verses like this out of baptism in... uh, Verse 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Does it happen once? Yes. But I have found that I need, you know that song, Jesus keep me near the cross? That's not just for salvation. I need to go back there because in... uh, I'll get there in a minute. Let me read verse 11. Likewise, reckon you yourselves to be dead unto sin. You died on the cross with Christ and your sin. But alive unto God because he rose from the grave and you identify with that. And it'll give you newness of life as you yield to that. Live unto God through Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I try to get up in the morning and remember, especially Galatians 2.20, and it gives me power. 
Paul said, I am, I am right now, not was, I am crucified with Christ. That's called co-crucifixion. I didn't die for my own sins. He did it all. But by faith, I identify my old man is dead. Today, I can get out of bed and if I'm uh, cutting pine trees or if I'm teaching a class or if I'm working with my cattle, I can walk in newness of life because the old is dead, the new as Christ rose from the grave. I can count it to be so by faith. And Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ, listen now, liveth in me. This is where your faith gets real every day. Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, so number seven, at the cross, I can experience the secret of an empowered life, victory over sin, and Christ living in and through me. You want me to repeat it? It won't cost you a dime. Here it is. At the cross, I can experience the secret of an empowered life. It's not really a secret. In victory over sin and living in, Christ living in, and through me. And Jesus put it this way, if you're at the bottom of your notes, in Luke 9, 23, he said, if any man follow me, let him take up his cross daily. Every day, that's a secret. And follow me. So the choice is yours. And in Galatians 6, 14, I've got to read you this. Paul made an amazing statement at the end of this book. He said, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Wow, you got the message. Paul said, if you're filling your notes, Paul said that his love affair with the world ends at the cross. And now, our affection should be set on things above Colossians. I love these verses. We're going to close with Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And that's what it's about. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you then be risen with Christ. So we're talking about we died with him by faith. We have been risen with him by faith. If that's true. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Doesn't mean don't pay attention to your work or your career. That's not it at all. Where is your heart? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead. Here it is. Are, not were. You are dead on the cross, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall appear with him in glory. I love those verses. I love those verses because what it's saying is, what this song is we're going to sing now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord, for the cross, how it has the power to save. It creates a crisis where we have to choose 
It reveals man's vile condition. It also reveals God's love for, for me and for sinners. I'm thankful, Lord, that at the cross I found forgiveness, I found peace, I found reconciliation, and at the cross every day I can walk in newness of life as the old has died and by faith the new is alive with Christ living in and through me. Now, as I pray, if you're unsure that you have come to the cross and asked Jesus to be your Savior, I don't care if I'm late to Burr Oak or not, you feel free to tell me. I'll not embarrass you, but I'll be here for 10 minutes after the service, and I'll stay longer if needed. Otherwise, talk to an elder. And Lord, I pray that no one would leave this room, not uh, that in any way uh, unsure of their salvation through the power of the cross. Help us all to turn our eyes on Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.